1: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings. Week 10, DraftKings picks and preview, stacks and positions. You can find the cheat sheet up on DKNation.com on Saturday morning once the full injury report is released. Also want to encourage you to subscribe to the Mayo Media Network Newsletter, as you will get a full injury report and all of the best optimal plays for the week, in that, along with all the game previews and all of the other notes from the week. Sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. We're still pushing for 30K subs. Smash the like button to the episode. And the biggest thing play in the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League on DraftKings. $15 to play, no rake, three max entry, best tournament on DraftKings. Link is down in the description. Reserve your spot now before it is completely full. All projections and optimal percentages now provided by RunTheSims.com. You want to make your own lives, do your own projections. Super easy, super customizable at RunTheSims.com. Use RunTheSims.com slash Mayo to get yourself a discount off that. We finally got together for the first time in years. The last time he was on my show, I think, uh, he was probably trying to leech YouTube subs for me. Now I'm doing the opposite. Sal Vitry, what's going on, man?
2: <laughs> what's up, man? What's going on, Pat? Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back here. It's good to be back. Happy... Veterans Day to the people out there right now. And uh, way less important, but also it's National Ice Cream Sunday Day. I got a gelato shop below me, which it's a blessing and a curse. So a little bit more of a push to go there. So Happy uh, Ice Cream Sunday to you, Pat. Yeah, that Veterans Day in America,
1: Remembrance Day in Canada. I feel like November 11th is just you know, celebrated by the Allies worldwide. I actually have no idea what it's called in Britain, but I assume it's a thing over there as well. Probably en France as well. But let's talk DraftKings slate for this week. Main slate, obviously. Uh, so just the millionaire slate on DraftKings. If we're going to stack—actually, let's start here. Dearness Johnson— Provided Nick Chubb and Felton don't play this week. I saw Brian Hill was potentially picked up as the backup for this game, and we haven't seen a lot of guys recover in time if they've tested positive to play that Sunday, if it happens anytime during the week. Forty seven hundred dollars for Dearness Johnson. Looking at the optimal percentage, still early in the week, still on a Thursday, uh, he is in thirty-two percent of optimal lineup so far. He makes essentially every lineup work. How popular is Dearness Johnson gonna be?
2: Yeah, I mean, early on, like ownership is what I'm seeing on him right now. I think, I think the name people saw him on Thursday night football, but I think the name maybe keeps him a little bit less than this is if this was an Alexander Madison that we got this news on in a similar price range right now, but he's going to be really popular. He looks really good. I tweeted earlier in the week. I think I'm going to play hundred percent of him as of now. It's just, it's a tough value week. Like as we go through this in general and you'll see like through expensive stacks or just really expensive running backs all up top. That you're almost trying to find value. And then we get this one thrown into our lap. So I'm going to just try not to overthink this one. And yeah, $4,700. And in that game, he played like 70% of the snaps. And that was with Felton playing 30%. Now there's no other running backs on the roster. So we just hope that he can find the end zone or catch a couple passes so he doesn't absolutely go bust though. But I think he looks good.
1: You know, there is a pivot point from him if everything breaks the right way because there's two other running backs that are essentially value running backs based on what their projected role is going to be this week. One is James Conner against Carolina. Obviously, Chase Edmonds out four to six weeks with his high ankle sprain. Maybe Eno Benjamin ends up taking the Chase Edmonds role. I mean, that's a possibility. I wouldn't say it's a distinct possibility. In fact, I would say that's an underdog to happen. So if you can project James Conner for 85% of the snaps, he's only $6,300. Carolina's not the best matchup in the world, but it's still fine. Or if Stevenson and Damian Harris are out, which they might be, Brennan Bolden's only $4,400 in that same game with the Ernest Johnson. So you could pivot off of Johnson and use Bolden, who I think is a worse play, but he's not going to be 35% owned. Or that could be like your mini correlation stack. Just play those two running backs and a $4,700 running back, a $4,400 running back. What what can't you do with your lineup at that point?
2: Yeah, I agree. And, And Bolden, I mean, they gave it to him last week. The touches, there was nobody else active. JJ Taylor and his opportunities. It doesn't seem like Bill Belichick fully trusts him. Bolden's a guy that there's trust. Like they're already giving him touches. They put him in the James White role, which is such an important role for that offense for years. And now it looks like he can probably transition if these concussions are going to keep out Stevenson and Harris to some sort of role there for a 12 to 14 touch, maybe even more all the passing game work. It looks nice. He's actually shown like, Good stuff on film in terms of having some sort of burst for a 30-year-old. And then even another name that's potentially Wednesday, Zach Moss. He's also in the concussion protocol. Singletary led all running backs in week nine in the NFL with routes run. He saw eight targets. Week one, we thought he would have that sort of role with Zach Moss inactive. And then we see Matt Breda come in and, and take on 30, 40% of the snaps. I don't think that's going to happen this week. because Singletary has actually looked good. He was running as the one last week for most of the game when it was actually um, before the, the third, fourth quarter when Zach Moss came in, got a couple of touches and then got concussed. So I think Singletary is another name at that like, exact same price point as Johnson. who could be a pivot if it works out.
1: Could be. So we have all of these options that are cheaper options at running back. What do you think this is going to do to Christian McCaffrey? And I mean, Alvin Kamara is potentially dealing with an injury. We don't know that. If he misses the game, all of a sudden, I mean, as much as I hate Mark Ingram, he becomes an excellent value on this site. Like Jonathan Taylor has about the best matchup that you can get. Like will expensive running backs just be wildly overlooked this week?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll be overlooked. I think it'll condense on a couple of them and it'll be interesting because like two or three weeks ago we had like two or three expensive stud running backs on the slate and you're like all right well one of them is going to garner some ownership and if we got this value it would just make all of them highly owned. but now it's like every stud is on the slate we'll see what happens with Kamara but you have JT you have Dalvin Cook you have Eckler Aaron Jones Zeke all these guys in McCaffrey up top so right now I think people are going to probably flock to Najee Harris Chase Claypool's status is in doubt Najee in general seeing like 25 plus opportunities a game week in and week out even if he's not Efficient, he's just getting the work almost seven targets per game. So people start to flock there and he projects out nicely. That's where everybody else around him starts to become somewhat of a leverage. And yeah, I mean, McCaffrey is going to be my first priority. I mean, the guy was like quote unquote limited and he had 18 touches for over 100 yards total. And in a bad week, it doesn't matter who his quarterback is, what the game environment is. He's great. We all know that. And he's always 9,000 plus and he's he's not that this week. So McCaffrey plus Dear Johnson seems like an obvious way to start a lot of people's lineups this week. But right now, early on on Thursday, it seems like people are flocking more to like the Najee Harris range than going all the way up to McCaffrey, flocking more to the Devontae Adams range of wide receiver than going all the way up to McCaffrey. So I, I lean McCaffrey, especially, I mean, if he just stays 15% less owned somewhere in there, that's where I'm going to lean.
1: We also have an interesting development as well with this Dalvin cook situation where I have no idea What's going on with this? He's suing, his ex-girlfriend is suing him. I'm guessing he's going to play. That at least seems to be what it's looking for. But if all of a sudden we find out on Friday that he's on like the commissioner's exemption list, I'm not going to be super stunned. At the same time, then you have Madison all of a sudden who gets the Chargers, who are brutal against the run. Or this might just be if Cook ends up playing, it might just keep people off Cook anyway because they don't want that uncertainty in what's a later game on the slate. Like he might be like the perfect late swap this week if he ends up active but I can see that killing his ownership
2: yeah I think that Cook is going to be I think the Minnesota guys in general look like good leverages already like a wide receiver too but Cook looks great just based on pricing he's sandwiched assuming he plays you have McCaffrey up top. People always going to go there. You have Najee, who I think is going to soak up a lot of ownership just based on the security in him and looks like a good play. Just sandwiched right in between there is Kamara, dealing with some murkiness, but also Dalvin Cook in that whole entire pricing range. And Cook, very quietly, if you take out the games where he's banged up or limited, I mean, this guy's also seen 25 opportunities per game. He's right up there with Najee Harris in terms of how much usage he's actually getting. So if Najee's going to come in, let's say 16 18% on, and Cook is with this status, with whatever's going on with himself and based on the pricing, if he's eight to 10% owned, I like Dalvin cook a lot, especially because when you start to look at stacks, that's a decent game to stack up and he's a nice run back option for leverage
1: well let's try to figure out what are the best game stacks we've been doing this at the top of the show but i want to address those value running backs to begin with that is the highest projected point total of the game of the week team total the chargers are now favored by three in that game which i really think makes vikings plus three now that it's the full three a pretty good bet because no one enjoys losing by two points more than the minnesota vikings and no one enjoys making a game close that doesn't need to be close more than the chargers so perfect plus three tease them up to 10 or something like that but 53 is the over-under in that game. Falcons-Cowboys is 54 and a half. Bucks and Washington, 51 and a half. So a big team total for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. But the highest optimal quarterback this week is Josh Allen against the Jets because their team total is super high as well. It's down from 13 and a half to 11, 47 and a half. The Jets' defense is just bad. But the Bills have looked like ass the past few weeks. Do you think that people will go to this Bills stack? Because if Zach Moss does sit... I'm not entirely convinced it's going to be like, you know what? We're going to give Devin Singletary 20 carries. It just seems like more passing for the bills and Dawson Knox is probably going to be back. The difficult part with the bills is who do you stack with them?
2: Yeah. And I think, so to answer your question, I think that people will stack the bills, but it'll be people that, play 150s, use optimals, use tools. I don't think anybody that's played the Bills the last two weeks, including myself, losing like all my money last week playing Josh Allen Stacks. I don't think that anybody's going to want to play them. I mean, Jacksonville had not given up. They gave up 20 or more points every game dating back to October of 2019. And then the Bills of all teams score six against them. It was just absolutely brutal. I'm tilting right now. But I think that going back to them does make sense here. They're getting the treatment of what Kansas city is getting just like two high safeties and run the ball and have these zone beaters, but they have more players than what KC has. They have Cole Beasley. They might get Dawson Knox back. They put Steph Diggs in the slot and it was working last week. It just has to continue to work. And it wasn't, I mean, Josh Allen getting out of the pocket, And brought some old Josh Allen stuff back, interceptions, sacks, and it ended up having a negative effect on a lot of drives. So it was just a weird game overall. The Jets have a worse defense in Jacksonville, which seems hard to imagine, but they do in their secondary and like all parts of that defense. So I do think getting back to that makes sense. The big question is what you said. I think Diggs, it's tough. His catchable target rate is down massively from last year. Like a third of his targets aren't catchable. Him and Josh Allen, just not on the same connection. Somewhat of a smaller sample of this year too, that can switch. But it's tough at that point. Emmanuel Sanders is very volatile. Cole Beasley seems to be the safest guy there. But if Dawson Knox comes back, do they go back to what they were doing middle of the year and putting in Dawson Knox in packages instead of Cole Beasley? So that's where it starts to become murky for me. I have them as well as looking at it as the top optimal stack. I would probably lean to go Steph Diggs, Beasley double stacks here. And I do think that there's one or two runback options if you wanted to. But I also think that this is a really good week to take some stabs on some stacks that are going to be lower owned with different quarterbacks returning to the slate, like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Russell Wilson.
1: Could you play it the other way and say, you know what? The Bills defense is rated number one by pro football focus, but they're pretty banged up at the moment, even if they're not necessarily missing guys that they keep having guys go to the sidelines halfway through the game. And team, I mean, Jacksonville moved the ball on them last week. It's just they're Jacksonville. Yeah. They're terrible. Not to say that the Jets are any great shakes, but magic Mike is playing quarterback. So could you do the Mike white Jamison Crowder, Michael Carter stack and just bring it back with like single Terry and get access to that game or is that just way overthinking it
2: i think it's gonna be too much for me just just because like even when mike white had that massive game i think his average target that was like it was the lowest of the week it was like 5.2 yards per target so there's just a very lack of big play there so there's a lot of plays running the game overall but if i want to stack something up i want to have the ability to have that quick strike or at least have the thought process of just the big play down the field to get me there quickly and just some sort of upside and like everything worked perfectly perfectly for him in that week lots of yards after the catch things like that ended up working out I'm going to think that works a little bit different this week against a much better bills defense who can actually swarm to attack or uh the pass catchers you saw that happen in the Colts game while Mike White was in there even when Josh Johnson was in there before garbage time it's a lot easier when you have better linebackers in there to actually make these 15 20 yards after the catch turn into two or three and it's a totally different game script
1: I'm looking at Dak Prescott. He's my second highest projected quarterback this week. The issue I have with Dallas is that they run a pretty slow pace. And I don't know if Dak is 100%. I don't know what happened last week. I'm going to kind of throw that out as an outlier, but it could be based on the fact that Dak is playing at 80%, not 100%. You'd think they'd be a little bit better this time around. But CD and Amari were both banged up coming into that game. And I don't know which wide receiver is going to kind of be sacrificed here to A.J. Terrell. So I find that's a difficult game to stack. I don't really want much to do with the Atlanta side of the ball as it comes as a part of a game stack, despite that being a 54-and-a-half total would you go with the Cowboys here and maybe do like Prescott Cooper's good at home. So Cooper and like Dalton Schultz, or is this a running game for them?
2: Yeah, I I like Zeke more. Uh, I'm hoping that I can get as much leverage just by people playing the Cowboys. So like in 150s, 20 max, I'm going to get them in my single entry lineup right now. I'm not going to get the Cowboys for reasons that you mentioned. I mean, Tyron Smith missed last week that led to a ton of pressure on Dak Prescott. And that's a lot of the reason why they ended up having stalled drives. Of course, like you said, the injury might be playing a factor as well. So Dak Prescott, I think the best way to play it, if you did want to stack it up, I want Dalton Schultz in there, and then you're just kind of guessing at receiver. You have the price discount on Amari Cooper. Both of them are banged up, so I probably lean to Amari just because of the price discount, but Dalton Schultz, the first week coming out of the bye without Blake Jarwin out there, season high 93% of the snaps, season high routes run because they're down 30 to nothing, but he came out in the fourth quarter too, so there's something to that, 37 routes. I do like that, five plus targets in all but one game, so I'd probably be getting Dalton Schultz in there who is a somewhat expensive tight end, which isn't always great, and then just basically guess a wider Receiver. If you're playing more than one lineup, you have the luxury of filtering in C.D. Lamb and Amari. If I had to pick one, I'd probably lean Amari just for the value. There's runback options as well, but none of them are like secure. Like You get 15 touches if you're lucky from Coral Patterson. And if he doesn't score a touchdown, that's not looking that great. Kyle Pitts is now the most expensive tight end on the slate, and he's getting, uh, right now, cornerbacks back-to-back weeks. Marshawn Lattimore and Stefan Gilmore to guard him. Not great. And then Russell Gage. Yeah, he had a decent week last week, but he's never been any type of consistent piece, especially this year. So there's options, but this whole entire stack, this whole entire game environment, it looks great. But if it's picking up some ownership in all the spots and it seems kind of murky everywhere, it's kind of hard to pin if you're playing a single lineup.
1: Yeah, well, getting I would assume that Trayvon Diggs is going to be on Kyle Pitts this week because he is by far their best receiver. Right. And that could be good or bad, though, because Diggs, for all the interceptions that he has, it does seem like he gets burned a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, he does. He's hes the—he's not the same extent of the first year Josh Norman because that was a different system, but he's like very Marcus Peters-esque, very Aqib talib esque Yeah, he's like a playmaker. He's a ball hawk. And then it's going to, it's going to be interesting seeing into the third and fourth year, does he develop like that lockdown game, which we've seen in some games, like he played very well against Minnesota. Didn't really get burned there, but in majority of these games, he is getting burned. So like the matchup for Kyle Pitts versus Diggs doesn't actually worry me anywhere near as much as Lattimore or Stefan Gilmore, who came out of the puplist looking great Gilmore. So yeah, I would say that runback options I actually like gauge the most just because of what you're getting salary relief wise, but that clearly doesn't feel comfortable.
1: No, that especially if you are playing like a single entry or a three max that has zero written all over it.
2: Right, yeah, exactly.
1: And that's I mean, if there's ever a place to take a zero, it's in one of those tournaments, but you might end up with better options. Like gauge feels like only a run back option if you're specifically stacking this game. And even then I'd be like, Yeah. maybe I'll go with Zacchaeus or something like that. I mean, I just probably wouldn't do it. I'll probably stay away from that one. This one could be the one because every time that I've won, like I've had three really good weeks on DraftKings this year, like one you know, 4X, 5X, 6X, and they've all been Tom Brady weeks for me. Just stacking the bucks with Evans and Godwin and being on my way has really paid huge dividends for me. So we don't know if we're getting Godwin this week because he's now dealing with this foot injury. Gronk is probably out. Antonio Brown is probably out, which just makes it – mike evans and tom brady you could play Fournette potentially as an option in there as well based on the role that he has seen in the passing game uh i mean at least going into the bye week we'll see how what they're doing coming out of the bye week tower johnson is an ultimate salary saver and if godwin truly isn't going to play i wouldn't hate playing tower johnson either let's go brady johnson mike evans it seems pretty good it's not even that expensive when you have tower johnson
2: yeah, I was going to say like the, the Brady stack to me looks the best, especially factoring in the matchup, some run back options on Washington and like all different salary ranges. So it looks like the best game environment, the best team stack. The problem was going to be like the affordability. Like if you had to go Goblin, you have to go Evans. And, I, and I'm not against that with these running back values and tight end punts that you always have in the slate. But now you have to track the injury news. The big thing is going to be Antonio Brown. Like I don't think they rushed Gronk back. They did that once. It didn't work out. It didn't make any sense. And Chris Goblin's foot thing. We'll have to watch that. Never good for a wide receiver. And I also don't like Like, out of all these three receivers, he's the one I like the least price bump up. If Brown comes back, that hurts Godwin. But Brown's the one to watch. They said basically on, like, last Friday when they were in the bye week that he should be coming back. He still had the walking boot on on Monday. He took it off on Wednesday and missed practice. So I think today, Thursday, definitely tomorrow are going to be really big days for that. If Brown's in, he's my favorite stacking piece with it. If he's out, then, yeah, I do think that I still want to go doubles because Brady had double stacks. Birdie has no mobility. So I want to go Mike Evans, who is already my favorite piece to put in this if Antonio Brown is out. And then Tyler Johnson. Like Tyler Johnson, you don't love it, but 65% of the snaps in the last two games without Antonio Brown, and three weeks ago before the buy, everybody wants to play. And he's like eight, nine, 10% on as a, a cheap flyer. And he has two catches for 20 yards. Nobody plays in the next week. Nobody even remembers that he had six catches for, what was it? 55 catches for 65 yards and six targets. So if you now take Chris Godwin out of the fold in a game where he's normally Chris Godwin's backup can get into the slot more. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, for him so i would probably lean to mike evans and tyler johnson if all those guys miss otherwise it's evans and antonio brown in doubles and i'm always going to probably stack doubles unless it's a really small field with these tampa bay stacks
1: i would think that tyler johnson even if antonio brown is back that the move might be brady brown and tyler johnson leave mike evans on the sidelines and hope to get tricky that way with johnson being the primary backup to chris godwin if godwin sits and that way you can still save a bunch of money with him being 3300 bucks I mean, you might not need to see that. Yeah, I think money. that makes that sense. Was the thing, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think that's, we'll figure out with these running backs throughout the week, but I think that's probably where it comes down to. And if you wanted to pivot, like those those wide receivers, Tyler Johnson's going to be, what, $1,500 cheaper than a Dearness Johnson. And at that point, you're basically just hoping that he outscores him. And if he outscores him, you're getting insane leverage because it's going go to go with the Tom Brady and the whole stack looks nice. So, yeah, I mean, basically what you're hoping for there is a touchdown to get an ultimate leverage on it. So I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it, especially because he's attached to Tom Brady, who's going to throw 40 times and he's going to throw, eight times in the red zone in this game
1: any other ones that you can see you mentioned the chargers and vikings like game situation obviously we don't know exactly the injury or legal circumstances of some of these teams and who is going to be playing and that might influence the ownership because it is on the later slate that you know there's 95 percent of people don't want to be like oh there's a guy questionable in the late games i'm just not going to take that person and maybe he's not going to be questionable but as we're talking about right now like we said we don't know as of yet but you just go herbert allen Eckler, Herbert, Williams, Eckler, Herbert, Allen, Williams, bring it back with Dalvin Cook and use some of these cheap guys along the way? Or would you go to the Viking side of it and say, hey, you can still pass on the Chargers. They're still banged up in their secondary.
2: Yeah, I think the Viking side is in play. I'm probably not going to go there just because those stacks are still pretty expensive. Like Thielen is seeing the volume, like seven targets in every single game except one. Like we thought the volume would come down. He's still seeing the volume. So it's at least there, but he's priced for it. So it's Jefferson at 7,700. Yeah, I like the Chargers side of this and I, I really like Mike Williams this week. It's been somewhat of a changing of a role, but we kind of quickly forget. We talked about James Conner earlier. He was banged up all of last year. Ah, he's dust. He's terrible. Comes over healthy this year. Now he's all of a sudden looking good. Um, Mike Williams hurt his knee about a month ago. And what happened since then? I mean, he's had one good game and he played limited in two games. And now he's finally starting to come out of this knee injury. And it's the perfect time against this matchup against the Minnesota secondary. And for DraftKings players and DFS, now he's priced down to 6,600, finally cheaper than Keenan Allen. So if the ownership is going to stay low and the price tag's coming down, I mean, this is just a great leverage spot In my opinion, if you didn't want to stack it up, he's my favorite piece of stacks, even ahead of Keenan Allen, just because he's cheaper and I think he has higher upside. But even if you didn't want to, I think one of the better leverage plays on the slate is Mike Williams. And another great leverage play on the slate is on the other side with Justin Jefferson, because he's right by Adams. He's right by all those highly priced running backs. The narrative has been interesting with the Vikings, and it's happening again this week. The first two or three weeks, it's KJ Osborne. Oh, pick him up in your fantasy leagues. Oh, play him as a dart throw in DFS. He's looking good. The next two or three weeks, it's Alexander Madison. You got to play him. He's a smash. Cook's going to be out. And now it's yet again, Dalvin Cook, some news coming out. It's never just been that Justin Jefferson yet again is having a great year and quietly doing that fairly priced, but he's always four or 5% owned. I think that that makes him a solid leverage play and it makes this stack definitely lower owned. Um, I personally say that probably Seattle though. I don't know your stances on that. Seattle, I think is probably my stack. I'd lean to more if I'm trying to get a little bit different.
1: Well, you, we went to the right game, but I'm going the other side of that ball that okay this, this is the ultimate fuck you aaron Rodgers week isn't it rogers Devonte adams bring it back with dk we are good to go
2: i mean that man has had 10 days in his house alone to just think about what he's about to do in this game he they asked him a question on the pat mcafee show like have you watched extra film and things like that and he kind of said like no i'll probably start that tomorrow that man has been grinding the second he tested positive the seattle seahawks secondary which is not good by the way not a good secondary so yes Devon, uh, aaron Rodgers more than likely going to return on saturday um basically just comes down to what his conditioning is looking like the symptoms apparently are gone so yeah we'll see i I like the russell wilson side for a couple of reasons i am concerned chris carson's off the ir they don't know if he's going to play this week i'm hoping he doesn't because this game can be very slow paced on both sides these are two slow paced teams so far in the year but if carson's not in there slight underdogs with a nice team total that usually bodes well for the underdog and especially when you have a good quarterback like russell wilson we rarely ever get russell wilson uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in the 6K range. And now they're all three in the 6K range this week. So I think it's almost like a price down from what Tampa Bay is in terms of you get these elite players still, a little bit priced down, not as many passing attempts, but we're going to keep hoping that that Russell Wilson efficiency can get us there. So yeah, I like all the stacks. Yeah, I like double stacks. If I single stacked, it it would be DK with Adams on the run back. It's just very similar to Justin Jefferson. DK Metcalf going to be 8% owned this week. Against a secondary without Jair Alexander, without their first-round pick, Eric Stokes, who's potentially not going to play, got hurt last week. It's Kevin King and Rasul Douglas, a journeyman back there for the Packers, and that's going to bode really well for Metcalf and Lockett.
1: And Seattle sneakily has one of the better run defenses in football, too, so the Green Bay yeah. might—I mean, I don't know if don't know if Matt LeFleur is just going to look at it and say, You know what? We don't need to run. We can just throw all over these jamokes and— just do that. And we want the and Aaron Rodgers. Was, Aaron Rodgers just feels like he wants to have the fuck you game. And you know that there's very few players that you can kind of peg that down to, but maybe he forces the issue and he's got awful. My issue with Russell is going to be is can he fucking grip a football? Like what's going on here? How is this right. possible that he's back already?
2: Yeah, that I mean that that is the main concern, right? Like what was it, the middle finger? So it's basically or the yeah, the middle finger. So it's basically just comes down to probably somewhat pain tolerance, but yeah, I would expect that this is he's a week to two weeks ahead of his recovery period that they ended up giving us. So he's definitely coming back early. I would assume that he's going to be able to grip the football. It just comes down to like, does he have as much finesse on those Tyler Lockett deep balls? Which, if you want to tell yourself that narrative, another reason to edge towards DK Metcalf if you were to get some sort of stack going or a run back if you wanted the uh the Rogers Adams side of this game.
1: Football season's heating up, and we got the perfect podcast to deliver the scoop on all things NFL. From Amazon Music. The Tom and Hawk Football Show happens twice a week and is hosted by NFL veterans Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins. It's your one-stop shop for NFL stories, serious laughs, and a touch of bromance between Joe and Hawk. Between the two of them, Tom and Hawk have 10 Pro Bowl selections, all Joes, and two college degrees, both Andrews. But together, they're a dynamite team that will give you an insider's look on what it's like to be in the NFL and what's going down in the league right now. Pro football is basically a soap opera with too many storylines to keep up. Thankfully, Tom and Hawk will keep you up to speed each week on what's happening in America's favorite sport. So put on your team's favorite jersey and get ready for some smash-mouth football because it's Tom and Hawk time. And I can personally attest to you that Tom and Hawk were on the Pat Mayo Experience when I did the show on Radio Row in 2017 2018 when they were first starting off and they already had that awesome chemistry then the show that i listen to every monday and wednesday actually only gets better with time so i suggest that everyone go check it out now listen to the tom and hawk football show every monday and wednesday on amazon music or wherever you get your podcasts Uh, Are there any, like, solo QBs you would think that you would potentially use? Like, the the two that I could think of would be, like, PJ Walker starting in place of Sam Darnold. He's $5,000. That's not bad uh, if you just wanted to completely punt that position, which I don't think that you need to do this week. What if, like, Taysom Hill gets named the starter against the Titans? That seems like a great situation, and I don't think you would want to stack him with anyone.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't want to stack him with anyone. That would be, like, very contest specific. If I was playing like some small field single entry three max, I would consider Taysom Hill. Otherwise I wouldn't, like, I just would want more correlation in like a larger field. Even if it's like a 5,000 person tournament, I probably still would go away. That's more so like a 500, 200 person field, just hoping that correlation doesn't matter as much to try and beat more people ahead of you. If you're talking game theory wise and all you need from Taysom Hill is like an 18 to 20 spot. And you go from there on the savings that you have, especially in a week where we're going to have some savings at running back. But outside of that, there's still not a lot of savings at Wide receiver that's secure at all. And other than Dearness Johnson, right now, there's not much savings at running back.
1: So let's talk solo running backs. We went over Dearness Johnson. He's a play. Brandon Bolden, Devin Singletary, based on the right injury news, become plays down in that region as well. James Connor at 6,300 bucks. I think we've narrowed down where the savings running backs are going to be. We've talked briefly about these expensive guys as the one offs. I'm kind of with you that Najee is likely going to be the one that people gravitate towards $7900. Can't fault anyone for that one. It's a Here, here's 30 touches against Detroit. Let's go. And I don't think the Claypool is going to play here, so that just makes way too much sense. You had mentioned Ezekiel Elliott at $7000. I don't know what I want to do up here. Like I'm such I'm such a slut for McCaffrey every time that he's in to just like, yeah, I'll, I'll roll the dice that he gets 20 touches this week. And that'll be good enough to beat everyone. Ken, his biggest issue is just like, he's going to have the three touchdown games, but I feel like out of all the elite quarterbacks that we've dealt with over time, that he just scores fewer touchdowns than everyone else for the amount of opportunities that he gets. Like no one loves getting stuffed from the three yard line outside of Nick Chubb more than Christian McCaffrey does on the ground. Like it, it feel, and this can be completely off base. It's just from watching him play. It just feels like he gets stuffed all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like the last what two years we've had like five or six games of this and he just hasn't scored as many touchdowns as his massive year before that when it was like every single week he was scoring one to three touchdowns and burying me when I wouldn't play him at $10,000. And the nice thing is we don't have to play him at $10,000 and everybody doesn't want to play him this week. So I do think it's a lot of Yeah, just him being injured and him not being out there as much. He was literally limited last week and he got 18 touches. Like they're not keeping Chuba Hubbard involved. They're not going to do it. I don't care if it's PJ Walker back there. We had the Will Greer days of him still putting up 30 bombs when his team scored three points against the Falcons. Like it it just doesn't matter who's in there. So if this like right now, I see 8% ownership. It's early in the week. If that's going to be 8% ownership on Christian McCaffrey, and he's now going to see his normal role of 24, 25 opportunities. I mean, the guy was seeing 30 opportunities a game, the first two games of the season, and he was absolutely smashing without the touchdowns. So yeah, he's going to be that guy that I go to up there. Like Jonathan Taylor just looks like such a solid play. The price point fair for what he's doing, but the ownership's there. The price is there. I mean, 10 and a half point favorite, everything looks nice, but for $300 more, I can get McCaffrey at lower ownership this week. It's, it's just hard right now not to go there. Even if it was similar ownership, I still go there. So yeah. Out of all these guys above 7K, I'm going to go to all the way up top to Christian McCaffrey right now. Zeke would be that other guy, like you mentioned, that I would trend towards just 20 opportunities per game. Nice environment overall. In three quarters last week, in the worst possible game environment, down 30, still scored 13 fantasy points. He's just very involved in both the receiving game and the red zone. And those are the things that you want from a running back.
1: What are we doing with Kamara? He didn't practice on Wednesday. Obviously, we'll have to check the injury report because if Kamara doesn't play, Mark Ingram's 4500 bucks against a pretty pitiful Titans run defense. But if Kamara isn't, like no one was going to use him anyway. And now with this injury news, no one's going to use him at all. Like if you're projecting McCaffrey for 8% ownership, what's Kamara's ownership percentage? Like 2%?
2: Yeah. Like right now, like four or 5%. I had it at 8% yesterday and I'm going to update it today. It's probably gonna be like four or 5% based on this news. It's tough with Kamara though, because you like, you had Tony Jones hurt earlier in the year. Kamara was seeing these massive workloads. Jameis was in there. So two positives, right? Now Jameis is down and you have Mark Ingram back there who knows the offense and Ingram's played what 29% of the snaps and 26% of the snaps, the highest for a backup in this backfield. Since he had 14 touches alone last week, which again, that Kamara injury might've sustained in the game leads to that. But I do think that Ingram's going to be in there for 30% of the snaps. Even if Kamara plays, maybe they say, all right, let's give him 35, 40% of the snaps. It just makes him look a lot worse. Like he's not this same $8,200 running back we were getting three weeks ago when it was a totally different quarterback and they had no backup back there. Like he was playing 85% of the snaps, similar to a Najee Harris role. So it's tough for me to want to go there relative to Dalvin Cook's 25 opportunities a game, Najee McCaffrey, these 25 opportunity game running backs. If I can only give like, uh, Kamara at this point like 18 opportunities
1: well if you can pick the right week that means there is one running back <clears throat> who i'll probably end up going to to be one of the better leverage i think running backs of the week at 6800 jamal williams still isn't practicing with his thigh injury and it seems to be like good week amazing week like mediocre week for deandre swift and people will see pittsburgh's defense they won't want to play anyone on the lions against him but if Jamal Williams is out again, I know that that, that doesn't mean that DeAndre Swift is going to get 85% of the snaps, but if he gets like 75% of the snaps against the Steelers, that can be like 12 catches in this game.
2: Yeah, I think that Swift in this range in general, whether it's like uh, James uh, Robinson's in this range, if he plays for net to an extent, the fact that people are going to pay down at running back in one spot and then pay up to those guys that we were just talking about it's going to leave this middle range of the 6k range parts of the 5k range just completely barren with like four or five percent less than that ownership guys and yeah swift is i mean you know the recipe here they're going to get down in this game you're hoping for some targets the dude's leading the nfl in targets per game for running backs at 7.1 per game and now if jamal williams is banged up possibly doesn't play then everybody's going to probably jump towards swift but if he's just banged up and limited that's probably the perfect situation to get more carries on the ground i think that it's an interesting week because if indeed that's the format, get Dearness Johnson, pay up for one of those other running backs, then the only way you're getting to Swift a lot of the times is in a flex spot, which you're then rivaling him against a lot of decent wide receiver plays, which I don't normally do, but that is a way to naturally get different this week playing a running back in the flex because everybody's going to go Dearness, pay up for one spot, load up on the wide receiver. So I think you get leverage in a couple of different ways, not only on the running backs, but on your overall lineup.
1: I think that you're going to see that the three running backs is the more common build this week because of all the value that's available.
2: I think it'll be interesting to watch just because in general, like stacking, if it's going, I guess smaller field and large field will be a little bit different. Yeah. Large field will probably be three running back builds.
1: I'm just trying to think of like, if Godwin's out, Tower Johnson's 33, Claypool's probably going to be out. James Washington is $3,500. Those would strike me as probably the two like cheap receivers that if people didn't want to use a second cheap running back for value, it would be one of those guys in people's rosters.
2: Yeah, I think that that's one way there's like MBS and the two that that's one way that people will go or if you just have the cheap defense cheap tight end one of those running backs and then the mid range like you got Deontay Johnson at 6800 you have a couple of these other running backs like a James Conner and some of the other ones in the 6k range. I think you could see more mid range builds with the stars and scrubs up top and then you kind of have this anchored lineup of one star one scrub and then just it really depends on your stack but basically mid range after that.
1: So if we just talk about one-off wide receivers, I mean, you mentioned Deontay Johnson. I don't see how you don't play him this week. Like, even though he's going to be overwhelming jock if Claypool sits, I don't think I would play James Washington because they might use Ray-Ray McLeod. And who Lord knows with the Steelers, they might have some guy on the practice squad who's the next Emmanuel Sanders or Mike Wallace or Antonio Brown. like, oh, this guy's just great. And we don't even know who he is because the Steelers have done that. Well, what's that?
2: Yeah, his name's uh, preseason stud Anthony Johnson. That's his name.
1: There we go. So Anthony Johnson, he's probably 3K this week if he gets activated. And he's all of a sudden, he's in there like, who the hell is this guy? And then uh, all your teams are screwed. But, I mean, Deontay Johnson could realistically have, like, in terms of a projection, how many receptions do you have him projected for this week?
2: Deontay Johnson this week? Yeah. I currently have him for 7.4 receptions.
1: Is that with Claypool in or out?
2: That is right now with Claypool. That's with Claypool in, but so my fantasy point projection is updated for Claypool out. And that's at 20.6 fantasy points.
1: Like that's outrageous. That's such a steal at 6,800 bucks. And everyone is going to play it, which frankly, like Dearness Johnson, maybe you do. Although I guess with the Dearness Johnson thing, like there is always that overarching narrative that Belichick will take away what you do best. And what the Browns do best is regardless of who it is, it's running the ball. So maybe they just sell out to stop the run. And Dearness Johnson sucks. Like there's,
2: yeah, I was just having that that exact same thought before we came on the show this morning on how like the ways that he can fail is. I mean, a big way that he just doesn't burn you if you don't play him is he just doesn't get in the end zone. Like he can have these 90 uh, total yard games and even he gets the bonus. He has 14, 15 points. Fine if you played him, not terrible. If you didn't play him, you're just kind of avoiding the touchdown. And yeah, you would expect if there's somebody in this game, I don't think they're going to try and fully take away Jarvis Landry. He hasn't burned anybody this week. The way the Cleveland Brown wins or they win is do not let Baker Mayfield play from behind and just force them to throw the ball to the outside. And when that happens, it gets pretty ugly for the Browns. They really start to fall apart a little bit. They want to run the ball. They want to stay in these game scripts where they can run the ball. And there's just one running back on this active roster right now. Uh, So yeah, I think that that is one way that it can fail. And I'm hoping that we get one of these other running backs, Devin Singletary, Mark Ingram, uh, Alexander Madison seems like an outlier, but maybe one of these other running backs to open up just so there is pivots. But yeah, I think that to the Deontay Johnson point at 6,800, it's hard to get away from it. But If you wanted to pivot somewhere there, you just have the exact same price. Swift, you have other wide receivers around him. They're not going to project out anywhere near that. That's something that I'm probably only doing in a large field tournament like small field single entries thousand people or less 500 5,000 people 500 people I think Deontay Johnson is probably the first person I put into my lineup like this guy has had in six out of seven games this year over 15 fantasy points and in those games Claypool has played some of them Juju has played and he was not facing the Detroit Lions on the opposite side of this thing it is crazy how such a bad offense like Pittsburgh has maybe the two safest plays of the week in Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson makes no sense
1: yeah and no one, and no one will play bad.
2: Yeah. Nobody will play Ben. And this is the only week in the last year and a half that Ben actually looks good. If you want to play Ben, I'm not going to play him, but he like mo- most weeks, he's like the 16th, 17th best quarterback play, maybe even lower this week. He's like the eighth best. So it still doesn't look good. Um, but if you wanted to get to him, just make sure you double stack it because I don't see a way where Big Ben, I mean, the price point's fair, but I want to be double stacking it, which without Claypool, now you're starting to look at probably Pat Fryermuth as that second guy in there.
1: And I would expect Pat Friermuth or Firemouth, as I enjoy to call him to be one of the higher-owned tight ends this week, coming off a two-touchdown game on Monday Night Football at his price point? Like, people are playing him. They might just independently play. Somehow, people will get it in their minds that they're going to play Fryermith and Deontay Johnson, yet never consider playing Ben.
2: Yeah, I, I, everybody, I think everybody's going to do that. I think a lot of people, um, there's going to be more lineups that have that build than with Ben, and I think Ben will be four, four, maybe even 5% on this week, which would be high, like double than he's ever been. But all those other guys, Frymouth be 12, 15%. Deontay will be close to 20%. So yeah, it'll be pretty high. But yeah, Frymuth tied him one last week, tied in three the week before. The, the rookie is no longer a surprise. I mean, the only thing that comes is if Eric Ebron does return this week, but... I don't think he's taking that role back over. And the added bonus that Claypool is out, you're going to see just a ton of two tight end sets already. Yeah, I think that he's now clearly the tight end one on this team. I mean, Ebron had, what, like four catches on the year before getting hurt, and Frymuth's had that last week alone.
1: Frymuth has essentially just taken the role that Juju plays. Like, as soon as Juju went out, Frymuth was like, yeah, you don't need to block anymore, man. Just take Juju's spot on the field. Go stand over there, and we'll throw you the ball on the end zone. Yeah, which (laughs) is...
2: Yeah, which is clearly a massive role for Big Ben. Like he always keys in on that, no matter who it was, like dating back to the Heath Miller days when he was playing the exact same role.
1: So could we do Ben, Jonathan, Fryer with DeAndre Swift? Like, why not?
2: Ben, John. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, if you wanted to play Big Ben, this is the week to do it. Like, if you, like a lot of people hit me up a lot wanting to play Matt Ryan, like, um, just a pocket passer who one to three times a year gets you there. Big Ben is throwing the ball a ton like he's even like they want to run the ball, but there's trailing in these games. He's throwing the ball a ton. Now he's throwing it two to three yards a ton. But (laughs) if you got guys who are good after the catch, like Deontay Johnson, Claypool, when he's healthy and and Pat, Pat Frymuth so far. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's probably the way that if you're playing this, that's the way that you do it. You go Big Ben, Deontay Johnson, maybe Frymuth, run it back with Swift. That is that is risky, but that is exactly what you want to do, depending on the contest you're in.
1: Yeah, the the issue becomes that maybe both these offenses are just god awful, and there's like 13 points in this game because that's that feels like the more likely scenario. Like if I was to play Big Ben, let's say a hundred dollar single entry, and do that build, like I guarantee you that the winning that the score of this game is 17 to nine, and everyone has like five fantasy points.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like the actual amount of offense that Jared Goff is going to be able to push is what you want from DeAndre Swift, just like these check downs. And that's good for him individually. There's your leverage if you want to do that as a one-off. Yeah. The problem becomes like big Ben in this game. This is like a screaming. He throws 30 times. He has 240 yards. Maybe he gets you two touchdowns. You need big Ben double stacks to be hitting you even at the price tag for 24 to 28 fantasy points. If you actually want to have a chance at placing in the top 10%, let alone winning contests. So that's where it comes down to. So like, yeah, I think he's probably the eighth best quarterback on the slate. I'm not playing him this week. But if there was ever a week for a Pittsburgh fan out there to try and hit the milli maker with Big Ben, this would be the week.
1: So Deontay Johnson is like a lock button at sixty eight hundred bucks, and but the issue is like you then have two really good like you talk about pivots. There are really good pivots off of him, or just play them together if you wanted to. Because Mike Evans is sixty nine and DK, who we've already mentioned, is sixty eight. Like I think those are two really strong plays as well. I'm curious to know what your projection is for. One of my favorite receivers for the rest of the season, in my rest of the season rankings that I did on Monday with Meany, I had him number three at wide receiver. And now we're in a perfect situation to play stud receivers, where he's right next to someone else who's in a fantastic spot, who everyone is probably going to play. He is an excellent receiver with a target share on his team of like 35%, potentially even more, depending on how this game goes. And he has a terrible matchup. And I don't really care about matchups when it comes to receivers. Good receivers, by and large, are just going to win those a lot of the time. What's your A.J. Brown projection?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, 17.8 fantasy points for A.J. Brown. That is, I, I think that better than these Big Ben stacks, these Tennessee stacks For someone appealing, it's just hard to get the full thing going, like double stacking it. But A.J. Brown, 17.8 fantasy points. I have him right now for 8% projected ownership. I think he looks like a solid play. He's going to be half the ownership as Devontae Adams. The problem for me is I just prefer Justin Jefferson, like the similar ownership and similar projection as well, but can get into stacks more. I personally like his matchup more. So that's where I'm at. But yeah, A.J. Brown, each of the last four or five weeks, 30 to 35% target share. These are in games, by the way, that, They somehow continue to win, the Chiefs, um, the Bills, the Rams, and the Colts in there, all good teams, all playoff caliber teams, some of the best teams in the league. They continue to win, and a lot of these games, they're leading in those games. They've had Derrick Henry in the majority of those games. So now, once if they get into a script this week where they're down a touchdown, down a touchdown for a good amount of the game, it's going to happen at some point this season. These 30% target shares that are resulting in like the 8-9 to target games, he's going to pop off for a 14-target game. So AJ Brown is terrifying to not get a lot of like as of right now, if I was to run this, I probably wouldn't get a lot of him because I'm not stacking up that game. And what I'm going to get is probably more Adams and probably more Jefferson at a similar price tag.
1: If we were going to play one-offs who are cheap, I think we kind of mentioned the big two, James Washington, if Claypool doesn't go, I don't have a ton of interest in that. I do have a ton of interest in Tower Johnson at $3,300 if both Brown if Brown, Gronk, and Godwin all miss, but it's really just comes down to Godwin. If Godwin misses that game, I really like Tower Johnson at $3,300 and he saves a ton of money. Outside of that, on the cheap side, I'm not seeing a ton of like great value from like, below six thousand dollars unfortunately maybe it's cole beasley against the jets like projections love jervis landry every single week but he just turns yeah. out not to be good i'll probably continue to play him because i'm just such a sucker it'll happen once at some point in the season maybe it's finally the time that people look at the projection and are like you know what i'm just not doing it this week i can't do it but he's really yeah. the only guy there outside of people's jones i just don't see the patriots getting burned like deep down the field which is where people's jones is going to kill you
2: yeah, if, if you want Jarvis Landry this week, just take the discount of $400 and go to Jacoby Myers. To me, they're like the same person. They play in offenses that don't want to pass the ball a lot. They're seeing like 25 to, yeah, like right around a 25% target share, but that's resulting in like five or six target games. Jacoby Myers last week did nothing, but he only ran 19 routes because they were smoking Carolina. So if you want the Jarvis Landry play, I think you just go right down to Jacoby Myers at $4,800 and at the exact same price tag, even though I think Jacoby Myers is a solid play, I think I like Crowder. You get him in runbacks. He's seen six targets in every game. Mike White ended up throwing his way eight times in that game, nine times overall, he was targeted in that game. So Crowder would be probably my main runback in those stacks, which gets me a little bit more ownership naturally to him. So I think that's probably where I'll get the most ownership to. But yeah, after that, there's not much in that range. I mean, we'll see what happens with Corey Davis to keep going on to so the Crowder news. Denzel Mims is on the COVID list, makes it look a little bit better for all those receivers. Elijah Morgan's on the field more if you wanted to go there. But other than that, not much. I mean, you can punt like MVS in those Packers stacks, yes. gonna, gonna, or just one-offs it will work three times a year for you, but not much below 6K other than that. Judy, 5,300. 19 targets on 72 routes so far this year. Really taking things away from Sutton at this point, but Noah Font returns this week, so how's that going to impact things? That's why it gets murky. That's why Dearness Johnson will be 40% owned.
1: It's true. Uh, I actually prefer Landry to Myers for one very specific reason. It's not that Myers can't score touchdowns. Eventually, he's going to score a touchdown. It's just when Landry goes big, he goes really big. Like Even last week, there was a reverse pass play at the goal line for Jarvis Landry. It just didn't work. Like They actively find ways to get him the ball with scoring opportunities where that just doesn't happen for Jacoby Myers.
2: Yeah. And, and he's just a better wide receiver. Like he's, he's a better talent in general. He's his offense. I would assume is going to in the red zone, use him more than Jacoby Myers is used just from historical. I mean, Myers has, I think Myers has now six red zone targets in nine games, which is, which is fair. It just re only resulted in one touchdown, one touchdown called back. But the other thing with Landry, it's similar to how last year ended for him. Yeah. He has one game where he's getting the receiving work, the receiving touchdown, and he has a passing touchdown game. Then he has a rushing touchdown game. So he is involved in like so many different avenues. And then the obvious thing that Odell's not there anymore. So even more concentrated on the middle of the field where Landry will be And the tight ends have just been non-existent. So it's kind of his playground.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm using the player comparison tool on Run the Sims right now and just looking at the two graphs between the two guys of Jacoby Myers versus Jarvis Landry. Like the actual range of outcomes for Jarvis Landry is so wide. Uh it's such a yes. flat curve. Like he could listen, if you need someone to score you ten points in this game, the answer is Jacoby Myers. But if you need someone to score you thirty five points in this game, the answer is Jarvis Landry. That's why I would lean with Jarvis Landry. It's just more of the time he scores three points.
2: <laughs> Do you lean Landry over Judy? For $100 less?
1: Yeah, I just, I don't have any sort of read on that Philly-Denver game. Like, again, that that's one that could be a legit shootout or be
2: 10-7. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be very run heavy unless one team has to start passing. And I would like Judy a good amount this week, but no offense coming back, I think actually matters for what Judy's been doing. In the middle of the field, I mean, Alberto has been nice. He's been okay. He's a really good backup, but Nofant is much better at getting open in the middle of the field, and I think that hurts this 27 28% target rate that you've been seeing from Judy.
1: Yeah, I mean, the target rate is great, but you also have to factor in that this is still Teddy Bridgewater throwing the ball. Like, if it was Patrick yeah. Mahomes... And not Teddy Bridgewater like, oh, yeah, with five options, you know, maybe I can try to pick the best one and get lucky. And maybe this is the Judy week, although all I've seen on the Internet this week is how bad Cortland Sutton is when Judy plays, which obviously means Cortland Sutton's going to score three touchdowns. And
2: yeah, of course, it, yeah. it, it always
1: yeah, it always ends up working that way. I played him last week like a moron. Yes.
2: We- yes i played him last week i played him uh not in my single entry but i played him in a three max lineup last week and i mean the other thing with that is like jerry judy's playing in the slot tim patrick is clearly on the outside Sun's clearly on the outside so you're paying 5300 dollars for a really good route runner in jerry judy but cole beasley's 4800 jarvis landry is a little bit cheaper like if we're going to pay for these slot receivers who don't get downfield usage he's just not getting that you might as well pay for a cheaper one who's in a better offense like a cole beasley
1: who could we get here I mean, Landry will also be super low-owned because Dearness Johnson is right there, and no one's going to play Landry and Dearness Johnson in the same lineup, Right, uh, and that might put some ownership onto Myers, too, because when people go down to $4,700, they are like, oh, Myers and Dearness Johnson. There's a mini-correlation. Perfect. We can be on our way. So I do like Landry in that spot. Pittman, I don't know if he's going to get overlooked or not, just because of his price point, where people will find $500 to play Deontay Johnson, I think, and then it starts becoming a bit too pricey, but he's also in a really fantastic spot. I don't know if I can quite get there though. You know when you're searching online for that stuff that uh, you don't want others knowing about? Well, I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't you just use incognito mode? But let me tell you something incognito mode does not actually hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why. Even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter who your service provider is. ISPs in the United States can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure services so your ISP can't see the sites that you visit expressvpn also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100 percent of your data with the most powerful encryption available most of the time i don't even realize i have expressvpn on it runs seamlessly in the background and it's so easy to use all you got to do is tap one button and you're protected expressvpn is available on all your devices phones computers even your smart tv so there's no excuse for you not to be using it Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash mayo, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's e-x-p-r-e-s-s-vpn.com slash mayo, expressvpn.com slash mayo to learn more. Let's take a break because I need to tell you about a brand new HeadGum podcast called The History of Heat presented by StockX. The hilarious Yasser and Isaiah Lester are brothers and comedic writers who love everything that's considered heat. If you're wondering what heat is, well, heat is what's cool, whether it's sneakers, art, skate decks, streetwear, even video games. Every episode, Yasser and Isaiah are joined by guests like Langston Kerman, Vashti Kola, Steve Barrett, to name a few, to discuss and share never-before-heard stories about some of the most hype and influential brands. they will talk about everything from Nike to Marvel to Supreme to Crocs and Travis Scott collabs. Powered by real-time data and insights from StockX, the global marketplace for authentic current culture products, history of heat dissects the past, present, and future of all things heat. If you're a fan of our show, be on the lookout for their episode on nostalgia, which takes a step back into Yasser and Isaiah's favorite sneakers from the past and how re-releases have influenced our lives today, featuring comedian Langston Kerman. So, subscribe to the History of Heat podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts and be on the lookout for new episodes every Thursday. Tight ends If the tight ends aren't a part of your stack, what are we doing here? We mentioned Schultz, but he's 5K. Fryermuth's 3,900 bucks. That seems like the logical one. Or do people just keep riding Tarzan, Dan Arnold at 3,500?
2: Yeah, I mean, if if you're not, the stacks make it so much easier to put them in. If you're not doing that, yeah. I mean, the guys that I have as yeses right now is Pat Fryermuth and Dan Arnold. I think that Dan Arnold will actually be lower owned than he should be because of Pat Frymuth. He's seeing seven and a half targets per game in his four full games. Only one target less than Jamal Agnew of all people for the team lead during that time. So yeah, I think Dan Arnold is actually a very secure play. Uh, 10 or more fantasy points in three out of the four games. The problem is like, is there upside on it? But based on the volume, I think that there is. And also the matchup, I think that there is the way that the Colts will play the tight end position. But I do want to see what happens with this Dawson Knox thing. It, it's tough because I, I, I always just keep punting tight end and it just keeps working for like, you know, you get it's eight to 12 fantasy points and it's fine at the price point in the 3K range. But Dawson Knox, I do think is interesting because at $4,500, he'll be putting the middle of the field a good amount more. And I do think they're going to have to start using that middle of the field. It's a copycat league. I expect the Jets to play two safeties, which means attack the middle of the field. And if Dawson Knox is back in this game, he, I mean, you had Tommy Sweeney the last couple of weeks, 33 routes last week and doing absolutely nothing. Why? Because he's Tommy Sweeney. Like Dawson Knox is going to get open. He's going to have some red zone usage and it doesn't have to be in a stack. It's nice if it is, but I think that's a one-off spot with his murky status. If he is indeed active, I think you probably find yourself with a 2% Dawson Knox on your hands who has massive weeks. You saw three, four in a row and red zone upside in that offense.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. He is a bit pricey, but I think I'm okay with that. That absolutely just squashes his ownership. The other options, I think, if you're going to punt – you could use, I mean, Troutman is starting to look like the player that people thought that he was going to be in July, and he's only 3000 bucks against Tennessee. I don't love that. You have both Tampa guys. If everyone's injured on Tampa, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brayton are both 2700 bucks. That's not the end of the world. And that's probably it. Mercedes Lewis at the mid yeah. against Seattle if he's the only tight end on Green Bay's roster.
2: Yeah, I don't know how much he'll use. Like, they just love Lewis as a, a run blocker. Like, he gets every single play, every single game, it's the same thing. It's like basically like Spider 2 wide banana. Mercedes Lewis gets a 15-yard catch and run and goes crazy. But that's basically, like, his usage. I think that Trotman at 3K, it almost seems pricey. Like, he's getting these targets now, but they're not downfield. They're, like, five target, like five yards. They're going to have to get the touchdown or bust, which is fine, but it's not like he's dirt cheap. What do you think about Gerald Everett now with Russ back? Gerald Everett has only played four games with him. He's gone over 10 fantasy points in two out of the four. He doesn't have insane usage, but he's priced as if he's not even playing. Like, he's the starting tight end price at $2,600 this week. Um, that's probably the the lowest I'd go, and I actually think there's something to it at 2600
1: I don't know if I'd want to risk that as a one-off. I feel like that would have to be a part of a Russell Wilson right. stack.
2: Makes sense. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, because that that has the – the. I mean, all of these guys down here obviously have zero potential, but Gerald Everett is – I it feels like it's either a Gerald Everett game or they just don't look at him.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. They, they were – early on with the Geno Smith stuff, they were trying to keep Gerald Everett involved in terms – like he was running his most routes and I'm in the middle of the field. I don't know if that's more of a Gerald Everett thing or just a Geno Smith thing, probably a little bit of both, but I'll be interested in seeing – what happens now especially against the packers who they have really good tackling linebackers but in terms of coverage nothing at all in the middle of the field i assume it's going to be gerald everett um i mean you have freddie sweeney they're running pretty much intermediate routes so if you can just get at 2600 dollars, you're hoping for the same type of production as what dan arnold's been giving you at three to 3500 which is eight to ten fantasy points which for everett is probably a touchdown and i'm okay taking that risk Definitely in stacks. I'm also okay punting it in a one-off if it does get me up to a next range where we kind of have this interesting range where if you're if you're already playing Deontay Johnson and you're stuck in that Michael Pittman range, but you can get that extra thousand dollars to start to get up to whether it is a Mike Evans or a AJ Brown if you can find the money. I'm okay doing that if it's worth the punt. Like I don't I don't even care if Gerald ever gets me like three points this week because I think the pricing is pretty tight if we just keep the Earnest as the only value running back. I think it's still pretty tight based on how expensive the upper top stacks are this week that if Gerald Everett can get you just like four to five fantasy points, I think it's okay. Let's
1: talk defenses. Close this out before we get to the play the best plays lineup, the shitter guy lineup, which people always seem to enjoy. Dearness Johnson and Deontay Johnson will both be in that lineup. I guarantee you. But Saints at 31, Packers at 29, I think are the two that I would go with. And the Packers play is mainly just, a hedge against Russell Wilson not being right. Plus, their offensive line is god awful. That it just might be Russ if the finger is not a hundred percent. Now he's running for his life, might try to make a bad decision, especially if Green Bay is pressing them on the other side of the ball. So I don't mind that one. And where you know, the Packers are favored and the Seahawks are underdogs in this game, you would expect a lot of pass attempts against. I just feel like the Titans are going to figure out pretty quickly that they can't run on the Saints, that they will have to go to the air. And Tennessee's pass blocking, at least, is just pretty horrendous as well so those are the two in the mid-range from the bottom it's really tough to find like a plausible make a case for punt defense this week i guess the one i would go to would be ah, jesus chargers maybe
2: that's fair i i am a sucker for the the cheap defenses so I'm, I'm, I'm in love with all these guys. I mean, the Washington football team, 2,100 against Tampa and a 30 implied total against them, fire it up. I mean, this Washington football team, first of all, Tom Brady under pressure this year, he's been, fo- he's been solid, but he's also been susceptible to interceptions. I don't really care as much about the interceptions. I just kind of want the pressure at this price point, like $2,100. Their secondary has been atrocious, their defensive front and their own defense has still been solid. So they're going to generate pressure in this game. That's kind of like the only way they stay in this game. And yes, Tampa Bay is coming off the buy. They have time to prep for that. But I do think that this is going to be a decent spot in terms of just getting pressure. I mean, this Washington football team week in and week out, no matter who they're facing, they're going out there and they're probably getting you, I don't know, five, six fantasy points. And at this price point, I definitely take that the pressure is going to result in some plays, whether that's sacks, whether that's fumbles or whether that's hurried throws for potential picks. I'll take that. So I just, I almost like always punt at defense, like to $2,500 and below. I think Washington football team is fine this week. I also think that Jacksonville, if you're going to get Carson Wentz, his erotic play, I mean, he's been more good than bad lately, um, but that can completely unravel at any point. Jacksonville may be coming off of the momentum of finally keeping a team below 20 points last week, keeping up to six. You get Jacksonville at 2,200 football team at 2,100 right away. Like I I don't even scroll. I don't even know what's above 3,500, like the most expensive defenses. I'll just go to the bottom most of the time.
1: I tried to do that, too. It's just I found a very tough time making, like, a pretty good pass. I mean, Washington, you're right. The pass rush is still there, but that doesn't seem to be generating anything for them because Tom Brady can just throw a lob ball and then no one is there to cover it. It's like they have, like, instead of having ghost runners on first when you're playing baseball as kids, they just have, like, ghost DBs. Like, there's no one standing there. It's like, oh. Great. Uh, now this is just an 80-yard touchdown for the other team, no matter how much they pass. And Tampa is a great team, theoretically, to go at because they pass so much over expectation anyway. That that seems like kind of a perfect mix. But you have to remember, too, that the Tampa Bay offensive line pass blocking-wise, very, very good. Yes panthers maybe if we get colt mccoy again and you know just it was one week and all of a sudden everyone's off of carolina but carolina still has a a, not a good pass rush a decent pass rush but their secondary actually looks really good now that gilmore's there
2: Yeah, I think that that's probably the main way I would go there. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, Gilmore replaces J.C. Horn, who got hurt earlier in the year, and some of the stuff that was having success the first three weeks of the season is now having success. We'll see if they can get Brian Burns back in this game. I don't really know his status after the, the heel the heel hook that Mac Jones placed on him last week. Just vicious. But, uh, yeah, like, usually you see a Pittsburgh's team down here, and their opponent, oh, $2,300. Literally, if it's any team other than the Detroit Lions, you have some sort of faith in that I couldn't even tell you a player that plays in the secondary for the Detroit Lions. I couldn't even tell you one of their wide receivers. Like this is just a awful, awful, awful team. Uh, Shout out Detroit. Hopefully you get something going for you guys, but yeah, this is, um, this is a pretty gross bottom. I would go Washington football team. Otherwise around that mm, 27, like Browns Eagles, 27, 28. But at that point I'm looking at it and I'm like, those guys can get me six or seven. Why not just go with the Washington football team, roll the dice here.
1: Yeah, I I probably won't go to the very bottom of the barrel, like I said. Just looking at the pass rushes right now, obviously the Steelers are just way too expensive to play, but that's a fantastic matchup. Same as the Cardinals against this awful Carolina defensive line with P.J. Walker starting at quarterback. That does make some sense if you wanted to go there. I want to see how good is... uh, I know Teddy doesn't turn the ball over a ton. I guess their offensive line is all right. But the Eagles pass rushes... I mean, I've been playing the Eagles. Uh, They've been pretty good uh, over the course of the past few weeks. Dallas... Is probably too expensive, but if their pass rush is fine. What about Atlanta if Tyron Smith misses this game, or are they just going to run the ball too much?
2: I think I think that that's fine. I just think that Atlanta's defensive line is like even if Tyron Smith is out, (laughs) Atlanta's defensive line to me is just coming into the year is like them and Houston as the worst defensive lines. Now the lines are up there, but yeah, this Atlanta defensive line, like I feel bad for like Grady Gerald when he's out there because everything else on this defensive line is is brutal. Like I don't even think if Tyron Smith was out and another player is out. It would obviously affect just the cohesiveness of the offensive line, but I don't think it makes those guys um, like put an insane amount of pressure on Dak Prescott. Like Denver doesn't have a great defensive line. Von Miller wasn't there last week, so I guess that's where you're coming from. But they have much more talent than this Atlanta team does. What could could we
1: do? The Browns at 28. I yep. just feel like no one's going to play them. They're a bit expensive, and logically, it doesn't make a ton of sense because you know the Patriots wanted to run the ball. What you would need in this game is for the Browns to like jump up. 13 nothing or 10 nothing early, forced Mac Jones to pass. The Patriots have like a very league average uh, pass-blocking offensive line. Obviously, the Browns have one of the best defensive lines in football. They got there last week against Joe Burrow, obviously against a weaker offensive line, Cincinnati. It, that just feels like the, the 1%, 2% defense that could pay huge dividends if you get it right. And maybe they help themselves. Maybe they get a fumble return, a pick six, whatever it might be. And then they have to face 50 pass attempts from Mac Jones, which sounds like it could be pretty good.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, in this situation, like, like you're saying on paper, both teams are going to run the ball. Not as many plays usually doesn't look like the spot to target a defense. Price point's fair. But I do think what you have going for you is just you have the talent of the Browns defense overall really damn good. And then you have the pass rush. So like all all I want is to have good players, but also the more important thing, get to the quarterback. So it's still a rookie quarterback. Mac Jones is not making that many mistakes. He's also not taking that many risks. So that's a big part of it. But if you're going to be getting in a game situation, like you said, and you can put pressure on him. I mean, you don't even need the interception. Just give us some give us some sacks, give us four sacks, give us some turnovers, right? So I'll take that. And there's also a situation here where that extra points bonus that you get from DraftKings, it might not go fully away here if this Browns defense, I'm not shocked to see, like we were talking about earlier in some game environments, like a, a 20 to 10 game in the Browns walkway with a win.
1: Finally, everyone's favorite part of the show the play, the best plays lineup, the shitter guy lineup. Sal, I got to take a shit. It is 15 minutes to lock. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw an entry into the millionaire maker this week. Who is going in that lineup? I'm just on the can with the phone in my hand, and I'm pressing buttons. It has to be Deontay Johnson, number one, and Ernest Johnson, number two, right?
2: Yes. Those are the first two guys in there. Now, let me ask you, Shitterman, are you a man who understands stacking and correlation? Do you do that or no?
1: I mean, if it if it works out that way, Maybe. But I'm not actively okay. looking to to build stacks and correlate my lineup because I'm Sounds I'm good. I'm a guy who's filling out a lineup with 15 minutes to go.
2: I like that. Then, if that's the case, we didn't talk about him this whole show, but this is like the only format where he actually comes in play at quarterback is Jalen Hurts. He's let us down the last two weeks. He's only thrown 14 and 17 times. That's got to change at some point. Get back up into the 25 30 range. Get back up into scoring 20 fantasy points every single week at 6500. is he a guy that guy in the shitter looks at and goes, you know what? I like that guy. That guy's got a lot of grit. Two bad weeks in a row. I heard on the
1: internet somewhere that he might get benched soon. Can't play that guy.
2: Okay. Okay. So if that's not him, then what about the man last week who won slates? He won it last week for everybody. Why not win it again for me this week? And oh, look who's coming to town. A team that continues to give up a ton of points to the opposing defense. DraftKings shows us as the 31st worst defense right now. Justin Herbert, quarterback.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Justin Herbert, quarterback. He's in. So that gives us Herbert. Deontay Johnson, Dearness Johnson as a start. We have 5,200 left. Who's at the chalk tight end? Is it Friermuth?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, this is the rookie tight end. Second round pick. Nobody really talked about him coming out because Kyle Pitts was the second coming. But now you get a $3,000, $2,000 price discount on the man who's better than Kyle Pitts and Pat Friermuth out of Penn State at least these last two weeks. So yes, Pat Friermuth, I just watched him with my buddies. We were on Monday Night Football. Now I'm on the toilet making a lineup. That man scored two touchdowns and he's this cheap. Got to put him in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I think we go with, oh, James Conner is going to be like the, the second coming here. And obviously, I like the Steelers. I, I probably, Chitter Guy probably doesn't want to play three Steelers in his lineup and use Najee Harris. So James Conner makes a lot of sense here at $6,300. That keeps us around $5,200 as well. Now we need to start saving some money. Because uh, what do we do with our other two wide receiver spots and our flex position? Like, where are we saving the money there?
2: Yeah, I think that. Yes. James Conner. Great. He scored 40 points last week. The uh, leads the NFL and touchdowns fellow guy. I don't know if you knew that one, but yes, I would say other wide receiver spots that we can go to here. We need to start saving some money, like you're saying. So we start to slide down a little bit, right? We start to slide down and we start to hit this range of guys where, okay, I've heard this guy's name before. He was all up in the news during the off season of, you know, uh, vaccination status, not hating it, all this stuff. And then he deletes his Twitter and he's all of a sudden great. And now the narrative is if you don't have Twitter, you're a great player. So after having 11 targets in each of his past three games on average, I'm going to go to Cole Beasley because the New York Jets just stink. absolutely stinking even in a game last week where he ended up having cole beasley uh, or his team not play well cole beasley still comes out of there and he does something good for you he's the only guy on this team i trust right now as a shitter guy i'm gonna take cole beasley here at 5200
1: okay cole beasley he's in at 5200 that means we have 5300 left now shitter guy's looking it's like well i don't even know how much i can afford at flex or wide receiver maybe i should pick a defense and figure that out next shitter guy is not necessarily going to punt at defense he's just going to take the most logical defense for almost any price point because hey even a $3,500 Buccaneers team you know it's 3,500 bucks that's way less than the receivers and the potential flex plays that I have left so where do you think who's the cheapest logical defense that shitter guy can go to this week
2: I think that the cheapest logical defense if I'm looking at this for the first time and just scrolling down I'm probably thinking that it's the Browns defense at $2,800 against Mac Jones. I know the Browns defense. I know that that guy, Miles Garrett, hit a guy in the head with a helmet one time and that he's really mean. I know this Browns defense in general generates a lot of pressure. They're always talking about how good their defense is, their offensive line, defensive line. I think that the Browns defense at $2,800 against a rookie quarterback with a low scoring game Yeah, I'll take that. So that gives us
1: $6,500 now for a wide receiver and a flex spot. That means we can do we just take Mike Evans? Because it feels like with all these other injuries, he's the one guy who's not injured.
2: Yes, I I think there's two spots where Shitter guy's going here? I think he's going to go balanced and you get the touchdowns. Mike Evans, We this guy loves catching touchdowns. He's great, man. Every single year, a thousand plus yards. We love this guy. Or I think we look at it and go, eh, I mean, Christian McCaffrey uh, he's 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 fantasy pick number one overall every single year he's finally healthy last week he had 100 plus yards and nobody even knew it he's just doing whatever he wants out there if I play him I have what four thousand forty six hundred dollars left and maybe we start to roam around there so where's shitter guy leaning is he leaning to pay up and then go cheap or is he trying to get to two value guys or mid-range
1: I don't know if there's a I, I would say yes get up to McCaffrey get up to one of these stud running backs or get up to Devonte Adams whoever it might be if there was someone at, I mean, there is someone down there. Let's let's see if this works. I was going to say Mike Evans, but let's say we use Devontae Adams instead. Put in Devontae Adams, $5,100 left for a flex. That gives us, who are the running backs down here? Like I heard, I mean, Jordan Howard scores touchdowns every single week. He's $4,900. Adrian Peterson, week two, although Saints defense is never really anything that we want to go with. It's probably... Devin Singletary or I was actually thinking Brandon Bolden if that was going to be the case although playing a running back against my defense isn't the optimal move I suppose but I think you could get to Devontae Adams or not based on a bad week and get up to even Christian McCaffrey like you said do you think Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor will be more popular this week
2: I think by the end of the week it'll be I think by the end of the week, it'll be McCaffrey, but close, like a, like a 14 to 12%, like that type of close.
1: Because if we take one of those running backs, the issue becomes, is there a $4,000 receiver that shitter guy would go to? And I don't know There's, if there is. Yeah.
2: There's none like like A.J. Green would be at that price range, but he's coming off of COVID might not have Kyler Murray. That doesn't feel great anyways. Then it's like other guys in the Cardinals like Rondell Moore. There's really none unless you're just going to completely punt to like MVS. So we might not be able to afford McCaffrey, unfortunately, because a shitter guy doesn't know any of these names. Like who the hell is Jamal Agnew? Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm not going to play any of those guys.
1: So what we could do is play Pittman as the third receiver at 63 then that gives us Mm -hmm. $6,700 for a flex which puts Thielen, Cordero Patterson, Mike Williams, Tyler Lockett all back into play it's a bit of a dead range but it's not terrible either the other one we could do is just play Evans and Fournette together
2: Mm. I like I like Evans and Fournette but I'm gonna go Pittman and then I mean look I would be going Mike Williams here but sure, guys, probably smarter than me Adam Thielen just scores touchdowns every week. He sees seven-plus targets a week. We're going to be going with Adam Thielen this week. He's the only guy on this team. Look, he's he's Dalvin Cook, weird stuff going on. KJ Osborne's falling off for us. Justin Jefferson scored two points against the Cowboys. Every single week I can trust Adam Thielen. Shitter guy's putting him in, leaving no money on the table like a true shitter guy.
1: There we are. True shitter guy does like to use all 50000 of his salary. Justin Herbert, Dearness Johnson, James Connor, Deontay Johnson, Cole Beasley, Michael Pittman, Pat Fryermuth, Adam Thielen and the Browns defense at $2,800. What The other thing you could do here is if you actually want to play a lineup that looks somewhat like this is pay down at Browns defense. If you got rid of Browns defense and you found $2,500 and below, you could turn Herbert into Brady. You could turn Pittman into Evans and you could turn Thielen into Leonard Fournette and play a actually Brady double stack that way. <laughs>
2: Go go full on go full on um, Washington football team Tampa stack and go Washington football team defense as your run back there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Brady throws three pick sixes and then throws the rest of the touchdowns to everyone else. Easy game is how we're gonna Easy do it.
2: Game clip the, take the clip right now and put it up. Easy game.
1: Sal, thanks for being on, man. I appreciate.
2: it. Yeah, big fun. I like this 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 segment. The shitter guy segment at the end is good. This is good stuff you got here. I like that. Yeah,
1: well, so sometimes you, know, you have to reinvent yourself uh, once every nine and a half years or so. When I get to the ten year anniversary this time next year, we'll see how it goes. But tell everyone if they're somehow they're unfamiliar with you, where they can find you, and just convert my audience into your audience.
2: Yeah, there we go. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Salvetry at Sal Vetri DFS on Twitter. Everything else, will link up from there. Do videos on YouTube, translate to a podcast, but you can find it all on Twitter. And yeah, check it out there.
1: Yeah, play in the Listener's League Link or League this week. The link is in the description. Sub to the channel, sub to runthesims.com slash mail, sub to the newsletter, lots of places where you can sub, and spoiler alert, you should do them all. be a good move. It would help me out a ton. Smash the like on the way out as well. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time.